Would you like to learn a new language? We. Oui. <laughs> See what we? I did? Oh. No, I said we oui, like French. Oh, okay. We, 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 we. I have ever since I've seen Pepe Le Pew and his way with women. I thought I want to learn a new language. You know what? I I do have a because uh, I'm a, I, I do voices and stuff. I do like yeah. the sound of of a French language. Yeah, you're good at faking a language. I just do gibberish, but I want to actually learn. And that's, mm -hmm. I'm going to introduce you in the world to Rosetta Stone. It's the most trusted language learning program available on desktop or as an app. And it truly immerses you in the language you want to learn. Yes, I've heard about this and talked about it for a long time. It's the trusted expert for 30 years. They have millions of users, 25 languages offered. So I think that pretty much covers the globe. You've got yeah. your Spanish, your French, mm -hmm. you were just talking about, Korean, Dutch, Arabic. Fast language acquisition. It, 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 there's no English translations, so you really learn to speak, listen, and think in that language. That's the hard part, I think. That's it. And it's an intuitive process. You pick mm -hmm. up the language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences, and it's all designed for long-term retention, which is great because I took Spanish for 12 years and all I know is how to find a library. Yes, Donde, I know. Donde está la biblioteca. So this one, really, really, you retain it. I learned German and I know hast du Zweister now abra. No, hast du Bruder now. Nein, abra cabra Zweister. That means, have, do you have a brother? No, I have, but I have three sisters. I took German for seven years, and all I remember is Gesundheit. <laughs> what does that mean? That means bless you. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, so <laughs> someone sneezes. Gesundheit. Rosetta Stone, that's not going to happen. Another thing I love is they have a built-in true accent feature that gives you feedback on your pronunciation. That's like having a personal trainer for your accent. Very important to being understood in a foreign country is to do it in kind of the rhythm of the way that language is speak. Right. You don't, you don't look like some clown. Desktop and <laughs> app options, audio companion, ability to download lessons offline. Mm -hmm. By the way, the Lifetime membership has all 25 languages. For any and all trips and language needs in your life, mm -hmm. that's lifetime access to all 25 language courses Rosetta Stone offers for 50% off. What are we waiting for? It's a steal. What is going on? Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started for a very limited time. Fly in the Wall listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Oh, yeah. Visit rosettastone.com slash fly. That's 50. That's like the highest I've heard of. 50% mm -hmm. off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash fly today. Hey guys, this is uh, David Spade and Dana Carvey. And before we get into Ben Stiller, we just wanted to share a few thoughts about the other night with the Will Smith uh, Rock situation. Rock is obviously a buddy of ours. We had him on here a little bit ago and we have a common denominator, which is being bullied growing up. I was a f certified pipsqueak uh, and always being pushed around. And it really hit a nerve with me and Dana also, and Rock had talked about it on this um, podcast. Um, I could jokingly say that slap in the face was a real slap in the face for comedy. But it is true that um, 
on a serious note, this is a dangerous precedent. Um, that was the straw that broke Will Smith's back. I, it, it couldn't have been a, a medium rough joke, uh, just bad timing. It was like a jack in the box that you hear. And here's Chris Rock. So that was just the one where he decided to flip and not sure what Will's going through. I met him. Seems like a decent enough guy. Uh, I'd love to see him in a roast. I mean, listen, comedy is rough. I just did a comedy special for Netflix and it's, there's some stuff in there that makes me laugh. People could get offended by. It's just the way it is. I hope roasts aren't outlawed soon. <laughs> I mean, my God. Um, I don't know. I just thought it dimmed some light on the other performers that night. You didn't really think about any other performer, anybody that won. It was just that. And they allowed him on stage again. I, I didn't, I probably wouldn't have. Not a lot of defensive Chris right there and then at the show. Like other people or people are standing up and giving Will a standing ovation. Like nothing happened. I thought that was all very odd. I and I honestly just don't think he should have been able to go get his award. I hate to say it, but there's got to be some consequence because you shouldn't be allowed to do that. Dana? <laughs> well, first of all, um, you know, I've seen real anger and experiences. So the first thing I thought was I was triggered because everyone talks about triggers when I mm. saw a very large person go, sure. go full shithouse physical on a person who's not small, but much smaller. And that just like, whoa, viscerally just hit me. So I saw a bully. I was just yeah, taken too. back to my childhood. And, you know, I, when I entered high school, I was five feet tall, 93 pounds. You know, I looked like a fetus with shoes. But my point is... <laughs> me too, dude. I, I, that, yeah. I, I'm not a psychiatrist, but I played one on TV. But this was not about Chris Rock. It was not about the joke. Something else is going on, especially the second time Will said, keep... Your, keep my wife's name out of your fucking mouth. The energy and rage and anger of that was so extreme. So I don't really know, but mental health is a thing that I would just say needs help. Secondarily, where was security? Could anyone else have gotten away with that? It was very awkward. Um, and then to give him a standing ovation, he had 45 minutes to kind of pull it together. He had Denzel Washington talking to him, other really smart people, Bradley Cooper, mm -hmm. but he couldn't pull it together to apologize and said, sort of doubled down. I protect women. Um, yeah. So the word protect was heavy in there. Yeah, I'm protecting. And then the next morning, he got that ring, ring. Uh, Hi, this is your publicist, uh, Brian, and uh, maybe we should talk, you know, because then there was the apology. So I just looked at it as a bully. It triggered me. And, uh, I think it was uh, kind of horrific and just felt bad. Chris is our friend and our colleague. <laughs> and I don't want to see anybody slap like that at any time on television, especially or anywhere. David? Yeah, it's funny, you know, Dana, when you get older, uh, like us, we, we when we were bullied, and I know Rock was bullied as a kid, a little skinny kid, and he said he really... It really stuck with him, and it does. It's it's the root of a lot of things, I, I you know, get me mad. I have a short temper. And... Any bullying in, in a car cutting me off or a guy, if I'm on a date, coming up to me and looking at me and going, okay, I could take this guy. And so I'll hit on this girl right in front of him. Those little forms of it are there mm -hmm. all the time. Yeah. So when I saw that obvious, just walk up, hit him and walk away. 
and almost like laughing, like, fuck you, what are you going to do about it? Mm -hmm. It made me spin out like, oh my God. So it bothered me all night. Uh, I thought Chris was pretty cool about it, of course. But what do you do? Your mind's spinning. I'm on live TV, a billion people. What, what's happening? You know, what do I go down? Do I hit him back? Do I? I couldn't even read the prompt after that. I'd probably be going, I, I got to get out Chris, of here. This uh, is Chris handled nuts. it perfectly. And well, I yeah. give him a lot of credit for keeping it together after something like that, you know? I, I actually thought Will Smith would walk up if, if, if he was staying. And he's joking around laughing, which was sort of more crazy in my head or more, that's not a good word, but it was just more unusual. And then when he got his award, I would have said, what the fuck was I doing with Chris Rock? That was not sorry. Yeah, I thought you know, by, I thought it, that it, for sure. It, yeah. The jokes got to me. I fucking, how stupid. I'm going to go back and tell him right now. Thank you for this award. Whatever. Any acknowledgement would have just taken all the pressure out and gone, it was nuts. We'll still talk about it. But hey, something else is going on clearly. And I'm sure Chris is your friend. Like It just all, it, it was all tough to watch. So I don't have a ton to say about it other than uh, what we just said. I mean, it'll all work out. Everyone will walk away, but definitely an odd moment in time. You know, before that moment, of course, my relationship with Will Smith was just from afar as a very likable, up positive person. So it was, it was, it's disturbing on so many levels. It gave everyone a relief from COVID and, and, and Ukraine, you know, so mm -hmm. the whole culture has been rotated on, on this moment because it was so shocking. And I really just, uh, I don't know. I, it's still it's still going on because Chris hasn't spoken at this hour. Yeah, yeah. I hope they uh, make up. They seem to be. It seems they're friends and uh, <laughs> like them to get back to that uh, and have everyone live happily ever after. It's tough to live with that hanging over your head if you think someone's out there after you. Hey, Lady Gaga, oh, is who's beautiful, but she's always <laughs> working with really old people like. <laughs> She gets next to Tony Bennett. She looks like a high school senior. <laughs> Last night, they wheel out Lisa, Liza Minnelli, poor sweet woman. And then Lady Gaga looks like she's in eighth grade. It's a, I don't know. It's, it's, a, I would, it's I a good know. Move. And Us Magazine immediately did who wore it better and who looked better. And that was unfair. Um, also, Dana, Regina, uh, one of the hosts, beautiful, lovely woman. She did a bit that I have to say, as an observer, I'm for all forms of comedy, but if everyone else gets to complain, if it's a male host bringing the prettiest actresses up to analyze them and take them backstage for them COVID yeah. test, then pat them down, it just wouldn't fly. I mean, I don't care. They're writing bits. Someone in the room should have gone, what if someone doesn't love this idea? But listen, fine, fine, fine. I just have to say it because I don't care. Mm -hmm. Just... Either let everyone do comedy in general, men, women, or just don't. But you can't say, you can't do this, you can do that. That's all. Mm-hmm. You agree? Uh, totally agree. It was, uh, it was really surprising. Maybe the Oscars are coming back now. If they have more, more fights, more mm -hmm. politically incorrect things, and they go just ape shit, you know, maybe it'll become a huge winner again. I don't know. I mean, the only thing that could have been bigger would be a melee Chris yeah. fights back, and then you've got Nicole Kidman, who knows her way around the block. You've got Keith Urban coming up. Yeah. You've got Ke Costner, probably with a shotgun, stopping the whole fight. Tyler yeah. Perry would have gotten in there. So Joe Jonas is ripped. He would have come down. Yeah. There's a lot of people that have been trained to do movies like that, where they have training, so they can yeah. come in and send them. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if Keanu was there. He needed to be. Um, 
It, it must yeah. have been tough for Chris to sit in the back and realize literally nothing happened. No one walked up, no security, no stop the show. No, it was just like on with the show. This is it. Standing ovation for the standing day. ovation. Yeah. You know, it's hard to pull for the bully. I don't know. Will Smith, probably a great guy. Just in that particular instance, it was the I've bad guy I've talked to, to people who grew up not bullied because they were bigger at a young age and so yeah, forth and so on. Or maybe their it. father didn't bully them. They're like, what? Yeah, what? they don't get it. <laughs> they, didn't, they didn't get it. Um, but that's what my takeaway was. But I wish everyone the best in the end of the day. So I'm not a negative Nancy. No. It'll, we'll, we'll all land on our feet. All right. Here's the show, squad. Dana, we've yeah. got Benjamin Stiller. Ben Stiller. Yeah, he Ben is, Stiller, who's pretty much a superstar. I would say, uh, yeah, I would say if you add up everything he's done, by the time you get to the end, you can't even remember the whole amount. You, if you read his IMB, it, you get exhausted. He's done it all. You get exhausted. I mean, if you think of Night at the Museum, one, two, and three, right, right. there. That's over a couple of years to do three movies that are very long. Robin Williams is in it. All these great people in them. They all crushed. They all yeah. killed worldwide. PG uh, family movie, check. Three, three, three. You got to have an animated franchise. Madagascar, mm -hmm. one, two, three. How about doing a comedy with Robert De Niro? Meet the parents, meet the water, meet oh, the fuckers. One, and two. one That's right. two, yeah, yeah, three. Yeah, yeah, Zoolander, yeah. one, two. I'm going to call him the franchise kid. I mean, my gosh. It's unbelievable. And he's a cool dude. I saw him last year. I don't see him a lot, but I saw him last year at Sundance, which is mm -hmm. uh, it's a dance place I go to. So <laughs> we went out there and uh, people were hounding him. I, the guy, I think he, he directs a lot now, but he's got a very interesting life. He did Sunday Night Live. He did it for how many shows? Five shows. Five shows. Yeah. And that's the riveting hook of why we get to talk to him because <laughs> we want to talk about that. And we just, he's just a guy that's very cool, big star. Something about Mary was a monster. Monster. I mean, you don't even get to that one. And it's so big. Dodgeball. So, all these big comedies. And Dodgeball. It, and he yeah. directs a lot. And he's got the new show Severance. Severance, which is cool, weird sci-fi. So, yeah, all props to him. He's a very unassuming person uh, and kind of shy. Uh, but we're going to tease him out. On today's show. Oh, yeah. We'll flush him out of the brush. Yeah. It's going to be interesting. Is it mano a mano? Is it a fight? No, it's a conversation. But think, <laughs> things will happen. <laughs> it's a fight. It's a, things will happen. But yeah, looking forward to talking to our friend, Ben. I'm already thinking of how I'm going to interrupt you during the show when you're asking very good questions. Well, yeah. When I'm running out of steam, I should have a signal like, just please bail me out on this. Please interrupt me. <laughs> I am winding down and I have no, no, you know, it's hard. Anyway, so Ben Stiller, I hope you're going to have a good time with him. Um, an old school SNLer that spun it out into his own sketch show and uh, won an Emmy for it. But he'll tell you all about it. Yeah. Yeah. Revenge of uh, whatever. Yeah. He won the Emmy. Beat out his old, his old gang. Two years after From they SNL. bounced him. That's such a crazy story. Yes, crazy story. Well, I think there's a movie there. It's like a comeback movie, Tale of Vengeance. It's a bit of a Rocky theme. Oh, definitely. Yeah, and he, he oh, was definitely. he was a lightweight boxer. <laughs> yeah, he was, he was uh, I think, 82 and 7 as an amateur boxer, if I read mm -hmm. that correctly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, I'm super um, fly on the wall weight. Oh, boy. Yeah. 
the jokes are getting worse. Well, uh, fly, fly on the wall, fly, fly on the wall, fly. Gotta fly. Don't blah, blah. Um, All right, let's just get to Ben Stiller. These people are sick of us. Ladies and gentlemen, we bring you, we give you, the one and only Ben Stiller. Ben Stiller. Yeah. I'm okay if I gotta be. Oh shit! There's that guy. There's that guy. Um, yeah, Mr. Stiller. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if someone said to me, this is what I was going to start with. If someone said to me, you know, Ben Stiller is probably the biggest, most successful comedic influence of his generation, the last twenty years. My answer, Jesus. I, w- I wouldn't, pu- <laughs> I wouldn't punch them in the face. Like I wouldn't, I wouldn't have an argument with them. I wouldn't get mad. I would go, huh? It would make you go, okay. If they said Spade was, you'd go, no. <laughs> I was looking over your film films and I was reading them out loud to my wife and she goes, man, people, he might be underrated. I mean, it's like, yeah, it's well, kind of crazy. Underrated. Or it's lucky. Underrated. I'd say lucky. Oh yeah. Lu- yeah. Mostly luck. <laughs> Come on. Okay. <laughs> I'm just going to get these out of the way real fast. Then we're going to get into severance. Right. Are, but these, this, are these all the fucking this, monster movies? Nah, I'm not going to go to existential <laughs> questions. It's two Howards coming at you with coffee and them overlapping. So you jump, right, you can ask us it. questions too, Ben. We're all, I at, will. we're excited because you're here. Uh, There's certain uh, impressions I'm going to request and yeah, we'll get uh, to that later. The last me. 40 minutes is about us. Believe me, Eddie Munster. Okay, uh, by the way, I just talked to Mike Myers about Eddie Munster on sprockets the very first sprockets that was the first one right? yeah yeah incredible yeah okay just real Amazing. quick like for, commence blushing okay night of the museum three great movies meet the parents got Ooh. three out of that then you, you do something <laughs> got three out of got that three out of that no but those are brilliant nope. something definitely of, in terms of ringing ringing movies out of a concept <laughs> i've definitely top, top of the heat yeah. night uh, of the museum you had so it was so so many that you got to present history people you got to like joe biden <laughs> then you do Tropic Thunder and Zoolander, Dodgeball, Starsky Hutch as broad characters. You do something about Just Mary. To kill so time. My observation yeah. for you, Ben, which maybe you've never thought of before, it's very difficult in modern comedy. What you did was play these broad characters and then have a character that could travel as Ben Stiller uh, in movie. That's all I got. I'm tapped out. David, you go. That's all I have for the day. <laughs> I like that, that analysis. Um, like a 40 minute answer. <laughs> I think it was basically, yeah, you know, it was basically doing what was there, you know, coming at me. And I never really, you know, look, when I was at my short, short time at SNL, <laughs> I was so overwhelmed by the level of sketch comedy acting prowess that was there. I never ever was, you know, I never considered myself being to be good at that. I did like sketch. I loved sketch comedy. I liked to do it and try to do it. But I think I never felt like I always felt like, okay, I'm kind of like trying it and I can kind of do it sometimes and it's fun to do, but I never considered myself, you know, that wasn't like my wheelhouse really, even though I like to do it. Well, it would have been curious because if, if say it was a government order that Ben Stiller has to do a hundred episodes of Saturday night live. Cause I, I felt altered after about 80 episodes. It took me to kind of, I faked it in the beginning, you know, you only did like five shows, right? So who could get it relaxed? Over, and, yeah. yeah. It, it was so intense and overwhelming. You know, you were there. It it's was, crazy. Uh, you know, it's funny that it was because 
It is. And then you do movies, which there's makeup, there's directing, there's, you know, directing is no easy task. There's so many pressures of just being in the movies and TV. And it is true that that one hits you in sort of a different way where you get in there and you go, you're just like hit around going, what the fuck is happening? You know, you don't see it coming, even though you think you do. Yeah, because of the whole process of the week leading up to the show and, and what it takes to get to the show and what it takes to get a sketch on the show and then to really understand how to gear yourself to, and you were both really good at it, to, you know, for that 1130 show. Because the the thing that always sort of was like this kind of crazy mind fuck for me was when you do that dress rehearsal and the dress rehearsal would be like, all right, we nailed it. And the dress rehearsal was like, yeah, but we actually haven't done it for real at all yet. Cause no, you know, nobody saw that. Yeah. And, then and, it's, I, you know, and it's worse on air and you go, God damn it. Yeah, you hate yeah. when dress goes too well. You always want, uh, the idea was that the live show in the back of your head, if you, if that voice is talking, it's saying, this is the best you've done it all week. This is, I'm, I'm actually doing, right. it's going the best. It doesn't always happen, but I remember the intensity when we did Dustin Hoffman and Tom Cruise and just you're in the slats and then the music's playing and then it is kind of like they just push you and all acting Ugh. or comedy, it's all about getting it out of your it's own surreal. head. But it's I go, so surreal. And then you're giving yourself a report card. Like, am I okay? Am I doing it too much? Where's Ben? I mean, I, I get it. It's just, it's oh a ridiculous God. concept, really. It's a torture. Yeah, and I'm sure you guys talk about it on, on this, sh- this podcast all the time. The, you know, the, like that feeling right before you go on and right before you get, you know, have to go out the door. Um, or just like the surreal nature of like your whole life wanting to be a part of SNL and then you get there and then you're doing it and then it's like it's just crazy so the, I don't know. <laughs> the voice in your head goes I'm on SNL and I'm doing it we had Ter- uh, Julia Sweeney on and she she came in one show early and just watched the show but she right. was so adept at doing sketch comedy she said she wasn't nervous she looked at it and said oh I can do that but then she got right, nervous right. later. But initially, it was like la di da, just say your lines. But did you guys? Did you guys get nervous doing it? Oh, sick! <laughs> yeah, I I was when I was there. I went. I did the same thing as Julie did. I went there a week early and watched. And I had the other reaction of I cannot do this. Like I, <laughs> right. I was, a, I was a stand-up. Now she's coming from an improv group, so she's used to quick changes. She's used to blah 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 everything, jumping around in characters. And I'm watching it going. Are you out of your mind? And how fast it moves and during the commercials, that's really all the time you have. I didn't really get that part. Like if it's 30 seconds, it's 30 seconds or they go to a fake graphic in the front. That's just to buy you some time. Uh, And then when I was doing my first update piece, I'm on the side and it's such a little studio in when I got there that I go. So when I walk three (laughs) feet, uh, 10 million people see me. And then I come back and it's just some (laughs) stage hand chewing gum going, good job. Good job. And they move the camera and look at the other guy. And I go, is that it? Like, did anyone see it? That went out there? Yeah, it actually happened. Yeah. yeah, and I don't have my phone. You know, I'm not on a cell phone back then. So then hopefully somebody saw it somewhere and they tell you, but you right. just go the rest of the night and everyone's doing their thing. My first yeah. sketch, uh, I never did sketch comedy. I just did stand up. My first sketch was a cold opening with Jan Hooks and Phil Hartman. And when I landed a laugh, I had to... I, my head wanted to turn toward the audience like a stand-up. But I go, I'll keep looking at Phil. He's the host of the game right. show. So, <laughs> but I could show you church chats early on where she's going like this. Her hand goes up and it's wet with sweat, you know. 
Sure. But it, you were so good. But you like that's crazy that you never did sketch comedy at all before the show. I, I never knew. I, that. I was doing it as a stand-up, but didn't really know it. You know, I didn't have any jokes. I've written maybe two jokes in my life. I was doing one-man sketch, but I there was no right. theater group in S SF at the time. Anyway, but um. But I do think. But I do think that with you guys both coming from stand-up, that did at least prepare you in a way because it's the live experience of going up in front of an audience, you know, and mm -hmm. I had had some of that, but I didn't come out of stand up. And, you know, there's the natural sort of thing of being in front of an audience, you know, I'd done some theater, but you know, that I always gravitated towards having more takes and doing it, you know, yeah. you do in a movie where you could just like, you could do it a number of times. That was really what, you know, I, I felt more comfortable doing, which is why I went running away after a few weeks. And, and won, at, won, at, won the Emmy for best television sketch show two years later. Well, yeah, <laughs> so yeah. It's but like, I mean, it's I, it's I was, you know, I was like looking at that environment going, oh, man, this is really hard. I don't know if I, I will do well. And even when I, you know, think back on the few things that I did there, I was so nervous. Um, even, you know, Sprockets, like Mike was, that was his first Sprockets. And Mike was just so like, that was such a great sketch. That character, it was all so well formed. He was a great sketch writer right out of the box. And he was just so, you know, he understood, you know, I was doing whatever character I was doing. Eddie Munster wasn't even a character. It was just like, you know, <laughs> the guy in an Eddie Munster outfit. <laughs> well, it was yeah, a very Munster. funny take on it. Yeah, the outfit but, but, was but, hysterical. But, you know, Dieter was such a, like a perfect kind of SNL type character. Sure. He just understood the structure of it and everything in instinctively. Yeah, well, I, I get yeah, that. I mean, so. Mike did a lot of sketch comedy before he got SNL. That that would be helpful, but still. But, yeah, but Ben, did you do, uh, was it A Color of Money? Why would you do that? You did a video, and what did you do that for? Is that what they saw? Is that what Lauren saw? I liked it. Yeah, yeah. I, um, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I was doing a play uh, off-Broadway, um, and I saved up the money I'd made in the play to do this takeoff on The Color of Money with a couple of friends of mine. And we made this short and I didn't know, then I didn't know what to do with it. Cause I basically had made a short, but there was nowhere. Sure. It was pre everything, you know, there no was no funny YouTube. or die, no nothing. There was nothing. So it was sort of like I had this 16 millimeter short. <laughs> um, <laughs> and, yeah, that was like transferred to three quarter inch tape. So I had this like three quarter inch tape I was taking around and John Lovitz came, had come to the show Hello. that I was doing the play uh, called the house of blue leaves. And he had come backstage and I reached out to him. I didn't even know him really. And I said, Hey, I got this short. I'd love to get it, try to get it to, you know, somebody to see for the show. And he took it up to Lauren. He literally oh, took wow. the tape up to Lauren. Oh, it's I like love, a VHS. I, the romance of that. Yeah. When I hear about somebody, let's put on a show and making yeah. financing, making a short film and then having it go somewhere. Cause imagine all the young people now, putting stuff on YouTube. But the fact, and I did watch some of it this morning. It was absolutely hysterical. They make up on it was you. All like, yeah, yeah. And it was all like my friends and my parents and my grandfather. It was like, oh, you know, the whole cast of it was just people doing favors. And the Tom and Cruise then, yeah. impression and character was so potent and bizarre. And your look <laughs> was so amazing. I mean, what? It was, you must have laughed your ass off. It was off youth. With, it was called youth. Just, <laughs> <laughs> well, Tom, yeah, I mean, I, it was, I was just hysterical. doing it because, I, you know, we kind of like had the idea for the movie. 
uh, it was uh, Steve Clayman, Ralph Howard, my two friends, and we and we had this idea, and it was like, who's going to do cruise? Because like we knew we had the idea, but and and Steve actually did a cruise too, and I was like, oh well, maybe I should do a cruise, and then you know, we had like a cruise off, like a little. We should do the off. best part. Well, what yeah. what was and, your uh, <laughs> well, not to interrupt Ben, but what was your into yeah. cruise? Usually, it's like one I, hook. You did it in the <laughs> restaurant. It was just. It was one thing I had, it was just sort of. <laughs> yeah, that, yeah. The, you know, his laugh, pitched, But I, I see uh, him in that. Yeah. yeah. Smiles and, uh, and looks around. Yeah. All you need is one thing. And that was it. That it just, well, you, yeah. you know, you take the one thing and then you transmogrify Until it. Until no one knows which, what I'm, I'm doing. I'm just so fascinated <laughs> by that. Um, which I'd love to understand how you, how you, what your method is. Cause you talk about it sometimes. I'm trying right now with Biden. I'm still trying to find. Yeah, but your Biden is great. What, where are you at with your Biden right now? Well, I don't know. Well, the, the new, the latest hook was that he, (laughs) he yelled in the beginning. It was like, come on, here's a deal. My dad lost a job. No joke. Not kidding around here. That was, you know, it was not a joke. And he said, no joke. And then he makes this. Number one, the one part. Number two, what the guy said. Number three, you know the drill. Come on. It isn't rocket science, folks. And then once in a while, saying nothing, he gets mad. I'm not to do this. I can talk loud. Look at me go. And he's finally had it. Do it. Right. And then he whispers. Yeah, you just. So, but. Yeah, no, please. No, the whispers are I mean, really funny. The whispers when he comes down, you go, what's going Who's he talking to? Is it, there someone in the front by the podium? It takes a while to do someone and also for the audience to get used to that person. You know, just little hooks later on. I know more about Biden's voice now than I did six months ago. But anyway, but I think it's your, your comedic hooks into the characters to me are always like what you choose to focus on is what makes it so funny because it's like something nobody else would think and then you're like oh my god yes that's exactly what he does that's the hard part and when they yeah. fu- when you do it dana and then some someone like george bush like back in the day when there's only four channels in snl that you know all the presidents are aware and, and then they almost do what you're doing because that's what they're supposed to be doing and, and, uh, <laughs> it's I, such a weird thing that happens i wanted to learn michael kane because of was it steve coogan yeah those guys traveling around europe in their car and doing yeah. impressions oh yeah yeah the trip yeah and they were so good at michael kane that was me consciously wanting to learn michael kane just for myself not right. not to put on tv or anything but then how do you do it knowing that that exists do you go to you just go to michael kane and go i'm going to come up with my own take um yeah i realized that what is it i I used to do it like this and then i realized the whole hook is the nasal you could talk like that but if you go totally nasal you got him there and the hook that i do is i do michael kane in kindergarten so it's michael kane at five years of age and the line is i like to eat paste I, I, don't, I don't know why. I don't know why. I like to eat things in the classroom. I chew on a hula hoop, and, and I eat a cannonball. A, a hula hoop. So that's my hula own. hoop. But as, as far as Saturday Night Live having that focus, like it's going to be on yeah. TV Saturday. You know, I'm terribly lazy about these things. So you, you know. yeah, but yeah. Anyway, you understood how to do that, and uh, it's a definite, a specific art form that uh, you know. I think some people are built for, and some people aren't. Buying someone jewelry is usually a great experience all around. To get a beautiful gift, mm-hmm. you get the unforgettable moment of seeing the look on their face when they open it. The tricky part, Dana, as you know, yeah, figuring figuring out how to get the perfect piece. At the best price. I hate to say it. Price yeah. matters. I mean, yeah. Yeah. that's why I recommend for any jewelry purchase, you source it from BlueNile.com. They've been with us for a while. Yeah. Blue Nile offers thousands of independently graded 
diamonds, David, and fine jewelry at prices significantly below traditional retail. They also offer peace of mind with every purchase. Some of their highest quality standards, they have some of the highest quality standards in the industry. Right. And David, whether you want to make a classic statement by gifting a white gold tennis bracelet mm-hmm. <laughs> to Sarah Sherman or, <laughs> or, or, bring out, or bring out her eyes with sapphire and diamond hoop earrings, Blue Nile's jewelry experts can help you find the perfect gift. David? They're available 24-7 by phone or chat to answer technical questions like, should I make it a diamond cut or a circle? <laughs> Those are the technical questions. <laughs> I know. Uh, oval. They fit your budget. They'll make sure what you want, they can fit in your budget. Yes. It's very difficult to buy jewelry for someone because, um, you know, it's it's a subjective thing. And the, you'll be guided with the, this company is going to help you make the right choice. You give right. them a little information and they'll go, Sapphire. It's hard to roll down to your local strip mall and go, yeah. We're a jewelry store and we sell trucker hats. It's like, that's yeah. not what you want. Yeah, or sometimes they have a small jewelry kiosk inside a Denny's restaurant, and it's like <laughs> they're flipping hotcakes, and I'm trying to find my loved ones. Yeah. So, yeah, no thank you. You can feel great about your purchase because Blue Nile also offers a diamond price match guarantee. Oh, that's nice. So you can't lose. No, mm-hmm. just in case. You got 30-day returns mm-hmm. shop blue now today and experience the ease and convenience of the original online jeweler go to blue today that's blue but what's the difference like so you go in there and uh you do I, I i guess it was you said five shows maybe dana said that but then you go ultimately not revenge but you still are interested in it. You go back and do your own show and then it works. You got to feel a little good. Like, see, it's not, it just wasn't my situation. That wasn't perfect for me. Yeah. I mean, that's why I made the decision in the moment. And I think it was after I made that decision in retrospect, a lot of people, you know, including people in my life are like, wow, you quit Saturday Night Live, you know, and, and <laughs> yeah. which was like, oh yeah, geez. But I, I did have a specific thing that I was going to, which was, this MTV show, mm-hmm. which was uh, Jeff Kahn and I were working on uh, uh, this thing called, it, it had this thing called It's Your Hour, where you could kind of do your own thing. And it was really because of the shorts. And that time I wanted to be doing short films and I wanted to do what Albert Brooks had done on the show. Oh. That was sort of my dream. And, and you know, he'd go and make these little short films and then show them on the show. And that wasn't happening back at that point. And so that was, I had an opportunity to do that. And, and really, I think instinctually, I just felt like, oh, I'll be more comfortable doing this and I'll, I'll be able to, you know, be you better. It's funny, it. Ben, is that to go like, uh, you go to MTV and they go, why should we do a show with you about sketches? You go, well, my resume shows you I just quit a sketch show. <laughs> and they go, oh, so <laughs> we should do one with you? And you go, yeah, yeah. I, well, I was yeah. at the Emmys. <laughs> That's when all you need Sa- to know. Saturday Night Live was having a good year. It was the political campaign, everything. And the winner is for Best Comedy Show, the Ben Stiller Show. And I remember you and Bob Odenkirk and your gang going up there and just how shocked you were. Can you describe that feeling of like... Oh, it was surreal. I mean, yeah, we'd been canceled for nine months already. I think we'd been off the air for that long. And <laughs> You were canceled, um, that's right. <laughs> yeah, we weren't even on the air. Oh, that's and even more of a shocker. It was crazy. And, you know, I think there was a fair amount of 
bitterness towards Fox that we all felt because we felt, you know, we thought like, oh, this, our show is, you know, we were good and give us a chance, but we really didn't play our cards right with uh, the network. It was a fledgling Fox network, you know, at that time, they weren't even on fully, you know, they were mm -hmm. on like maybe like 12 hours a week or something. And we were up against 60 minutes. So we had an awful ratings and, you know, and also we were a weird show. I don't yeah. think anybody should have really watched us necessarily, but we, <laughs> we felt very slighted. I always and, um, I loved it. But, you know, the head of the network, I think we did something. I really, I know there was a, a moment when there was some sort of presentation. I think it might have been the TCA things, which is like the Television Critics yeah. Association. And you go up and you talk to everybody. And Bob and I and Janine were up there and we made some joke about the head of the network's hair. I think Bob did, um, <laughs> looking like an old-timey oh, uh, leatherhead yeah. football helmet, like that. You know that movie Leatherhead? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was yeah, we made a joke about the head of the network's hair looking like that, and that might have been the nail in the coffin for us. And after that, uh, you know, we, we were just we didn't expect that you know to win. I didn't expect to win. I heard Bob talking about it recently and saying that he actually thought we might have had a chance. <laughs> um, but you know, which Dana. he was such a great sketch writer. Uh, yeah. He was amazing oh, as a sketch Dana. writer. So funny, Dana. It's yeah. so funny. <laughs> yeah. He was, yeah. Um, and he, and he really, I think it was his, a lot of his writing was on the episode that won it, you know, for us. Um, so it was great. It was, and, and then I said some stupid thing about like Fox, you missed something here. Yeah. You're still, like waving my, <laughs> waving my Emmy. I was sitting and, next uh, to Lauren when your name was announced or the show and Lauren just went, oh, oh, that guy. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't respond. Oh, I see. Yeah. It's, gonna, it's going to be one of those nights. Yeah. Marcy. Um. Anyway. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I was listening to you guys break down the Lauren impressions on oh. one of your recent episodes which I can never, you know, always entertaining to listen to different interpretations, different Lauren. I guess Rob Lowe does a good one. Oh, yeah. I do. I do yeah. a copy of anyone's copy. I'm like a CC of a CC. I just, yeah. it comes exactly. down. That's what I do. Yeah. I'll try to do. Mm, mm. That's <laughs> yeah. all I can do. <laughs> just noises. How does Lauren yeah, feel I, about it, you think? I mean, at this point, you know. I think he is, funny. you know, I think he's, he's like, he's Lauren. He's, he's aware of it all. all. Yeah. Right. He doesn't, he doesn't dig into it. I think he, he understands, I think he understands how it's meant because everybody always is doing it with a sense of like, Lauren is a singular entity that yeah. has created this It's thing. like, a, he's a celebrity yeah. now and it's like a celebrity impression yes. in a weird way. And he also knows, you know, anytime he does a sketch on the show, he always knows how to do himself. Yeah. <laughs> he comes You know out. what I mean? Yeah. Like he always can be he, he would have a glass of Chardonnay, at least the first season he'd walk around the floor during the live show i guess just to try to calm us down you know but he was an right. intimidating figure but then after you're not on the show he's like your greatest friend he's like so positive yes. and everything is positive i mean you went back and hosted twice i was just gonna ask you to the nerve part how, mm -hmm. did you get past that by being a host on two shows and you've done a lot of cameos as well recently michael cohen yeah has it gotten a little better just because you're ben stiller now and you know there's nothing to lose no. <laughs> you're like already no. on show business honestly not at all every time i feel that thing in the pit of my stomach Sickening. especially when we were doing the last round when we were doing the michael cohen ones because there were changes that were happening and this must have happened to you all the time you know the few times i was out there i don't remember when i was on the show the last minute changes mm -hmm. like literally like like a minute 30 seconds before still playing around like things like that. and they're I putting remember, them on the cue cards while you're standing there and they're yeah, like this will be a little different and you're like 
Mm-hmm. And you realize that you're just on your own. Like, it's like, whatever, <laughs> like you just have to do it. Nobody else is going to do it. You have to keep it in your head. Um, so, you know, it's fun when you can come on, I, mm-hmm. I think, in a an unannounced moment, right? When you show up in somebody, yeah. you know, when somebody else is hosting and it's like all of a sudden, like you walk out. And I remember doing that once with De Niro and it, that was probably the most fun because I didn't really have to do anything. There was no pressure. And it was like, oh, people are excited to see you because they didn't know you were going to be there. Right. Yeah. Big applause. Um, yeah. Good. And then you don't have to do much. Um, but uh, I think uh, that, yeah, the hosting, I think is really, you know, there's nothing like that feeling when you go out right before you have to go out and um, again, but that's the same feeling I always had, so I don't think it'll ever it's go away. It's chilling going through that door. Ben Stiller! Yeah. <laughs> and just the roar of like expectations really high. Yeah. And then, and know. Right now, and then it's like, then the show. All right. I like when the, <laughs> and the host, you know, Dana, when the host has to go, uh, you know, ladies and gentlemen, red hot chili peppers. <laughs> you know, they, they've dragged you all the way out there and they put you in a different outfit for that. I'm like, how about I just wear what I'm wearing? And You've just... never heard of them, you know. Well, ladies and gentlemen, bent nerve. You know, like, yeah, right. it's always like hothouse flowers. <laughs> it is interesting to watch when you go through the old shows, like what the bands were and like which ones are actually they ones made you remember. It. Yeah, because yeah, yeah. they try to catch them right on the precipice of blowing up and yep. some of them blow down. <laughs> they, ne- they never quite catch. And you're like, and oh, now fuck. it's a game I play with myself watching the show now to see which bands I actually know that are on the show. Cause I almost, I'd say like 80% of the time, I don't know the band. Do not. So that's how out of it. That's I think it's a typo. I go, there's no way that's a band on the show. Yeah. I have never heard of them. <laughs> when you what listen happened? to music, Ben, like now today, what do you listen to? Do you listen to it in your car? Cause that's why I listen to music. Yes, I listen to music in my car. I live in the city and I also live north of the city in New York. So I kind of go back and forth and I like listening to music. But I'm I'm so like as I get older, like my, my I can start going like 80s, 70s. Yeah, yeah XM I think I'm the 90s. I go to the 90s and then <laughs> little and then fade out, like yeah. I'm, I become the old guy. It's like, what is this? What are they playing? What is this stuff? That's not music. I don't this auto-tune, all of it. Um I mean, I like hip hop, I guess, but from like, even like my hip, the hip hop taste is much older, but I'm like, I could listen to, you know, like Elton John all day. I'm that guy. Right. I got lost somewhere around the spin doctors after that. I don't, I think I'm pre spin doctors. And then- but isn't that interesting though? Because it really does sort of like settle in like what you really like to listen to. You know, you, and like you just don't know it after a while. You just stop knowing anything. They but go, you stop the wanting to of, know it too. Yeah. I go, right? I don't even try. I mean, isn't I don't it a little seek bit, it out. But, like I was thinking about it, like if I'm listening to Elton John from 1973 right now, that's 50 years ago or whatever, right? Pretty much. Um, yeah. Or almost. Yeah. 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 Right. So that's like if my dad in 1973 was listening to 1920, some hit song from 1923 all the time. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, you, you, go, yeah. you know, but I've had, you know what I mean? yeah, yeah, totally. <laughs> the one thing that happened to me was the stereos back then sucked. So I have a Volvo. It's not a rich man's car per se, but it's, a you know, and the stereo in it is so insane that uh, maybe three months ago I put on, oh, Tiny Dancer. Okay. So I blast sure. it. It's fifteen hundred watts. I'm surrounded titanium speakers. It's like I'd never heard the song before. But then I go to the hip hop channels with my sons, and they introduce me to Cardi B, and I'm like, "Wow, right. I've never felt so old." You know, right. <laughs> WAP. Anyway, this one's about Poontang. Yeah. and that'd be I mean, G-rated. 
I'm yeah, they're not I am open to it. I'm open to it, but then if I'm really being honest with myself, usually I don't get into new stuff. So, Ben, what? Here's the question: How did you get so good at what you do? You think like you're a yeah, little kid. You like to like. I I want to. Th- I want one of the television shows. I know Star Trek. We got to interview William Shatner on this <laughs> podcast, which was a thrill. Oh, really? A crazy, oh, lucid, brilliant analyzed everything you know asked us questions he was like a shrink he's a scientist he described what a mirage is we talked about ufos so i know that and i was wondering what other films or tv shows that just blew your 10 year old ben's mind and then you grow up to equal or surpass your heroes as a film director uh i don't know it kind of surreal <laughs> I, it's not you know for me it, it, it yeah i loved movies ever since i was a kid and was just making super eight movies as a kid and watching movies and television watching movies and television you know in the 70s when it was uh stuff was on tv or you actually went to the movies and go, go see planet of the apes or go see you know towering inferno or yeah. side adventure i'd sell side those. adventure Ooh. 20 oh, times shelly winters yeah. uh oh, gene, i was obsessed with it gene hackman the way out yes. is up there he had a turtleneck yeah. on he was just it's out there oh, it's incredible up. <laughs> life is out there it's one inch um, thick less thick than two inches remember that he, he yes. said they had to go up there and they go yeah it's an inch of steel they go, up there is life yeah. down here still, is death yeah. And That's at one good, point he gives, he gives, yeah, yes, do that again. <laughs> Up there is life. Down here is death. I don't know. I That's all I got. Shit. And then he gives Shelly Winters a big wet kiss. Oh, I love you, Mrs. Fuck? Rabinowitz or whatever. <laughs> and she swam under the water. She was the championship swimmer. Oh, and she, God damn. And that was died. a great movie. Uh, but that tidal wave, that, that's a great shot, right, Ben? The, yes. The, the, oh, when the, oh, the yeah, wave, the, the tidal binoculars? wave. binoculars? The tidal wave. The, it's incredible. Right, that's great direction. Is that Irwin? Yeah, Roddy McDowell is the you know oh, the, Roddy. the waiter who helps them. And they had to yes. turn the Christmas. They had to take the Christmas oh, tree yeah, and climb so up. Oh, that was so smart. I was just obsessed. It was ups. Everything was oh, upside, upside down. Upside down. Yeah, fascinating. A. Just, just so I could have watched that all day. Okay. I remember once my parents <laughs> were going to see. Uh, they had tickets to see Lily Tomlin performing live on Broadway. She was doing one of her amazing one-woman shows. And they said, come on, we're going to go see Willie Thomas. I was like, no, Poseidon Adventures on <laughs> yep. like 12th time. I'm yep. going to stay home and watch it. Do you remember uh, There's Got to Be a Morning After? That's yeah, the Carol song. Unreal yeah. song, perfect oh for my that. God. And it made and her you brother cry. dies. Her brother, the bass player, dies in the, you know. There's oh, got to be oh a morning yeah, after. That. This is my Car- yeah. Carol Lindley? We I don't remember closer to Carol Lindley. Show. Was that exactly. it? Did I remember that? Yes, that's oh, her. Oh, dementia yeah, she postponed. Was amazing. <laughs> the only th- yeah. <laughs> time it looked fake is when they look through the binoculars and they see the huge tidal wave. And then when it hits, they had a crew guy throw a cup of water, a Dixie cup of water into the captain's face. He goes, oh. No, but and remember then, when uh, the ballroom went upside down and the, the everyone's yeah. hanging from the- Are from you the shitting sh- me? It was unreal. I was scared as a kid. I, could, I was riveted. I wasn't scared enough like I was during scary movies. It was sort of right. accidentally scaring me, but I was riveted to it like- what if this my happened? What I, I do? My sister and I snuck out when we were in LA with my parents because we grew up in New York. When my parents would come out to LA to work and do like the Love Boat and mm-hmm. things like that, yeah. <laughs> and we would stay at the Sunset Marquee Hotel with them. And like my sister and I snuck out once to see The Exorcist at the Man's Chinese or Grauman's Chinese Theater, and it scared the shit out of us. We just were so freaked out by it, oh but we didn't tell my parents that we'd gone to see it. 
So they couldn't understand why we were so... Why you were crying every day all day? sleep, yeah. Oh, my um, God. Were you, I, were, yeah, go ahead. You're, I want to hear your exorcist, exorcist uh, well, experience. First of all, we I all never have saw one. It. I still oh. can't see it. I used to... My brother told me about it, and I was so fucking scared that I would talk before I went to bed to make sure my voice wasn't like the way he said the voice was in the movie. <laughs> Because I was scared I'd be possessed. And then I, I won't, I shouldn't tell, Dana, you don't have to listen to this, but I'll tell Ben because he's a better friend. All right, I'll, I'll be But it. Ben, I saw the movie Tommy at this huge, <laughs> at this huge theater in Arizona, the Cine Capri, when I was whatever age I was when it came out. The and who? it scared me that I got like a stomach ache and I had to leave when the acid queen, there was burning in it threw some something to burn the guy's face and right at the beginning and I go what the fuck that that movie is not for kids I thought it'd be a fun yeah. movie Tina Turner right yeah was it was a psycho yeah. movie I saw it later. Russell he was like a crate he did Altered States too remember that movie with William Hurt oh yeah and uh, Babylon and he, Bob going I'm, and I'm on fucking fire remember when this yeah and he yeah. turned and his feet turned into ape feet in the in the shower and it's just yeah. like he's having these crazy hallucinations he was a, a really interesting filmmaker yeah so i i mean those movies were so good when we were that age that i was and i was so into them that you know just i wanted to do that and make make movies and and so that's you know i, I was always doing that and that's honestly like part of the reason why i didn't stay at snl and all that is because i wanted to keep exploring that and doing that. But I was also kind of like trying to be an actor too. And I think, uh, you know, I just have always loved that more. And probably like the last, uh, you know, six or seven years, I've, you know, I haven't really acted in anything for a while. And it's been mainly directing. And I stopped acting in, in the things I was directing, which I've really enjoyed a lot more because I do feel like that gives you the opportunity to really focus on the, you know, what you're doing. And it's hard when you're kind of, you know, in oh front my of the camera God. too. Doing both, like just how hard it is to either. And then you got to do both. I mean, yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. Well, it's kind of yeah. cool that your l latest thing you've done is being received. So it's brilliant. And I'm obsessed by it. My son's oh, in their twenties are the, the way it's shot that I don't know the set design, the colors, the lights, the action, you know, it's so, <laughs> music so atmospheric yeah. and as it gives you this wash of feeling it really takes you out i mean what what it, i mean yeah when you watch well, you know that, what's well, how that you know what's interesting yeah i mean first of all it was written uh, it was a script that came to our production company about five years ago by a writer as a writing sample dan erickson this guy who had not had anything produced and i read and i was like oh this is really this reminds me of like the office it reminds me of office space it reminds me of like parallax view it reminds me of you know um step from yeah, wise truman show yeah, um yes and it had all these different things going on it i was trying to think of that other movie oh what was it the andromeda strain yes. remember that or one? th thx 1138 1138 yeah, yeah. the drama so I, yeah. I just thought it was like an interesting thing he was doing with the tone which he was taking the office workplace comedy and then sort of like adding this other surreal layer to it, which is like, who are these people? What are they doing? Why are they doing it? But yet they're bantering like they work in an office, but they don't even know what who they are. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, you know, that's like a really interesting concept. So anyway, I, I just, you know, we, it took a while to set it up. I knew Adam Scott was the guy to play it because I felt like Adam has sort of like mastered that tone. Yeah, can we talk about him on. for 10 seconds? Adam Scott is, uh, now I saw him on Big Little Lies. I, I, you've seen him around for years, and then I've seen him on this. I go, holy shit, he's never made a false move as he's an actor. Amazing. And he, he's amazing, and he has this like really interesting quality because like sometimes he'll he'll be like, he'll look like Tom Cruise. He'll have this like yeah. this like thing, mm -hmm. and then other times he'll be like, sort of like this kind of regular like guy, like kind of, you know, very self-effacing, and then he'll be kind of like, 
flat and nothing going on. But then all of a sudden you look in his eyes and there's some really deep thing happening. And he's also like, just as an actor, he just like, is, he just is so specific. And I call him an acting machine. And I mean <laughs> okay. that as a compliment. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever you want, you, know what I mean? you can do it. Wait, yeah. you too, David. I, I feel like you're an acting machine. Yes, also. thank you. Um, and he, he has this ability to uh, like just, change things by a millimeter, but, uh, you know, and still, you know, do what he did, but then like as a director, it's great to work with him. So the whole thing was really interesting to me and, you know, trying to do something that I tonally that I guess, you know, was an experiment. And then I, I thought, you know, well, it's fun to be able to experiment with something. We did it all during the pandemic. It's been literally like two and a half years oh, really? working on it. Wow. Yeah. So we started before the pandemic and then we were about to start shooting and then the pandemic happened and we had to shut down. So it's been a long process and we were in this, you know, very oppressive, uh, claustrophobic set for like nine months shooting it. So it got a little bit, you know, like it was the show kind of like folded in on itself. And you got John yeah. Turturro and Christopher Walken. I mean, those are also just yeah. well, It was weird because Turturro, I, I was talking to him about doing the part and he suggested Chris Walken. He said, because we hadn't cast the role of this, his coworker, Bert, who, you know, Chris plays. And John <laughs> said, well, have you cast? I'm like, no, you know, I'm thinking about some music. So he goes, what about, what about Chris? And I'm like, yeah, that would be great, John. <laughs> yeah. Okay, I'll reach out to you because I could call him. And he literally made it happen. He's like, oh, yeah, Chris and I wanted to Everyone do Everyone loves Christopher Walken. I know. That's I mean, a great guy to like, have in anything. He's got this amazing voice, amazing face, and he just, you can't not look at him on a screen. Yeah, you know? I mean, and he's aware, you know, he's such a sweet person. I actually worked with him in that first play that I ever did. The thing I did when I did Hustler Money, the Take Off mm -hmm. on Color Money, yeah. he was in that production. And he worked with my dad a lot. Um, and, uh, you know, he's, just, he's very sweet and Nothing. sensitive uh, yeah. guy. I remember this is a non sequitur standing next to Bonnie Raitt at a party. And it was Eric Roberts and Christopher Walken. And this is in the 90s. And Bonnie Raitt said, I feel like I'm having sex just looking at him. <laughs> <laughs> I don't he's know. Still, you know, I wonder if he it, thinks... You know? yeah. um, if he is aware of all these impressions and if he, it throws him off acting because, you know, that's the way he sounds. And now, and now he's like, do I sound like a cartoon of myself? Yeah, I think he's aware that, you know, he knows that people will adjust scripts when, when he's in it because he's in it, you know? I think yeah. he's aware of it. But he honestly, I think, is not a guy who, you know, he doesn't really, he's not, I don't want to like, say too much because it protect his privacy but like he's yeah. not a guy who engages in social media and does it you know what i mean like he really yeah. just lives his life and um he's a very genuine person like i, I think he loves acting he's been acting since he was a, a like a, a small child i mean literally like a like five or six years old yeah i have a question for you but this one is not christopher walken related but it's still <laughs> a good question can't wait um when in severance in the first episode, I picture, like, you know, we all get scripts. So you're reading it. I'm like, I wonder where it won Ben over. Like, you know, because I think you only read the one, right? You only read the first episode. Yep, that's okay. right. That's right. So yeah. I'm watching. It starts a little bleak. It's got some interesting, creepy music. I mean, I don't really know <laughs> yeah, what I'm watching music, yet, you know? <laughs> yeah. And that's, so I'm watching. I'm like, this looks so different. And so... I'm just getting hooked in on the fact, like, I don't know what's happening, you know, and that's kind of fun, but I'm picturing it on the page because you sort of, you know, bring it more to life. And then, 
And in those last couple minutes, I go, oh, shit, oh, shit. And that's probably where I go. I bet Ben was like, oh, fuck, this is great. Because it makes me go, I got to watch the next one now. Right, which I think is like the bottom line with TV shows. And I learned that on the last one I worked on, which is like, the, you just want to get people to watch, want to watch the next episode. You yeah. know, you want to have a story that unfolds. But, you know, when I read it, it didn't have all that. There was no music attached to it. Right. <laughs> I was just like reading it. And it tonally, I think I might have taken it a slightly different place that I didn't even know it was going to go because I really responded to the like that that workplace comedy mm-hmm. thing that was in there, mm-hmm. you know, the banter that was yeah. happening, you know, when it, like just sort of like the back and forth between uh, Adam and Zach Cherry in the beginning when they're yeah. at their workstations. That seems so familiar to me and funny and like, oh, I've you know, I've heard that. But then, like I said, it was that other layer to it. But I think the ending, too, I just as a pilot, I thought, oh, well, this like this crazy little thing that happens at the end with one of the characters where you don't expect it. Yeah. Um, that, that really pulled me in. And uh, uh, but I don't know, you know, I, I don't know if you're like this, but like when there's something you read as that just you have a gut feeling about where you just mm-hmm. go, OK, this is something that I really connect with. I don't even know why I connect with it, but it's just, you know, it's just pulling on something that like I so it, it, it's resounding with something in something inside of me, which um, sometimes you don't have to explain. Too. Also, it's unique. It's a unique read. So you, I'm sure you right. see like I get similar comedies a lot and you and Dana. And so if you see something out of that world. It's it's already a little easier to keep your attention because you're not yeah, reading this every yeah. day. And is it kind of unintentionally zeitgeisty, you know, about work from home and the Great Reset and people rethinking their lives? Because it it rang true that sometimes people are in a corporate situation they're not quite sure what they're doing, which is kind of funny. <laughs> in severance, right. no one really knows what they're doing. You know, uh, <laughs> that's the funny. That was one. Of, that's one of the things I loved about it, is they have no idea what they're doing. Yeah. They know what they're supposed to do. They don't know why they're doing it or what what purpose it serves. And they know they're they're not really supposed to question that. Also, yeah. you know, yeah. Um, but uh, you know, this was all before everything that was happening. The big. I mean, reset. he wrote the script like six years ago or something. So it was, yeah. it was kind of ahead of it all. It's yeah. um, I don't know. It just feels like people are definitely rethinking that kind of corporate structure, and you know, just you know, it seems like everyone in the world is really rich now because it's never been in our face as much, notwithstanding Ukraine right now. But just the idea of uh, people monetizing fame or Instagram or what is it, David? Fans only. So it's it's only it's fans, Dan. I'll give sell you my login code. <laughs> Only fans. Sorry, I had I had the words right, but it seems like a harder sell to get people in a cubicle for fifty years, you know, with all this other input coming at them. But anyway, we're well, also just being told kids. Kids are being told like, I see on uh, these places where they're like, "Why are you working for other people when you can make millions on your own?" It's like I don't know if that's the best message. I mean, it's a good message, but everyone chasing their dreams at once might collapse everything. You know, it, it's very hard to say keep one foot in reality but always try to strive to do something better in life. But it's hard because yeah. right I now they're th- like, quit your job. I also think that's changed in the way, uh, you know, in show business too. And like what you're, you know, we talk about back when there was no YouTube or anything to, or Instagram to post funny stuff. You know, I made my little short and was like taking it around. Now it's almost incumbent on uh, an actor or a comedic performer to put their stuff out there and to make stuff so that you, you know, that you have to do that really to get noticed. And then yeah. the other aspect of that is there's so much of it out there now. It's almost yeah. the opposite where now, like, how do you get noticed within that sea of, um, you know, content, quote unquote. Yeah. 
And uh, I think um, it has changed the way people sort of approach, like, what are you supposed to, what, what do you call success? And, you know, are, are you supposed to be successful by 19 or 20? And, you know, if you're, if you're putting your stuff out there. It feels younger. Um, and it feels younger when you're Kylie Jenner and you're like 19 and you have a billion dollars. Everyone goes, wait, I'm, it's so much stress for kids. Like, I'm so far behind. I've got FOMO from Instagram. Everyone's prettier than me. Everyone's. You know, Everyone's, it used to be, there's yeah. two girls at my school are pretty. And now I'm like, I'm competing against the world. If you're a woman, you know, it's like, I see every guy's life. Everyone's rich. It seems everyone's having a better time than me. It's funny that during the, the lockdown, it almost let you relax for a second. If you're a kid to go, at least everyone's in the same spot for a second. Like they're not on a yacht. They're not skiing. They're not. And I don't feel, cause I think people feel badly over and over quietly about all that stuff and it makes him makes yeah him nuts. I, I i feel that way even you feel that way yeah because i i looked yeah. up yeah. I, looked, I mean yeah what <laughs> your celebrity net worth no i'm kidding no <laughs> but uh, <laughs> i know dan is about to no, make no, fun look, of me I, I, I definitely feel that way i took i got off instagram because of that yeah. like i i'm still on twitter but like i i couldn't i was feeling all those feelings way too much and i was like this is i'm too old to be getting into this right. like a, it's not healthy i should be really concentrating and spending my time you know on much more um positive in you know things and you know so i just made that choice for myself the thing is when you do do take yourself out of that you know right now everybody sort of communicates that way though too yeah. you know even if there are good parts of it being able to stay in touch with family and you know and 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 stay in touch with people that you're you don't see all the time but i just decided that for me that was that was too much. Um, and I think, uh, you know, it's, it, I don't see the good thing. I, I feel like Twitter also, I have uh, conflicted feelings about Twitter too. Yeah. Cause I, I, I like being able to get immediate news and information and things that are going on in the world. But then I'm also, again, way too aware, I think sometimes of things that I shouldn't really be spending my time on, you know? My dad works in B2B marketing. But I never really knew what that meant. Then one day my dad came by my school for career day and told everyone in my class he was a big MQL man. Then he just kept saying things like, the more MQLs, the better, over and over. My friends still laugh at me to this day. I think it means marketing qualified lead. One thing's for sure. I'll be known as the MQL man's kid for the rest of my days. Why couldn't you just be a fireman or a lawyer? Why? You ruined my life, Dad. Not everyone gets B2B, but LinkedIn has the people who do. And with ads on LinkedIn, you'll be able to reach people based on job title, industry, likelihood to buy, and more. Start converting your B2B audience into high-quality leads today. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next ad campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash wall to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash wall. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be to be rewind it back to the days of chill accent on the beach and all day fun with spring break on draft kings casino play exclusive games like fan fave rocket the excitement is endless the vibes are right and the cash prices could be huge new players start playing with just five bucks and get 100 back instantly in casino credits download the app and use code f-o-t-w to book your one-way ticket to fun with draft kings casino the crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 
789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. 21 plus. Physically present in Connecticut, Michigan, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, West Virginia only. Void in Ontario. Eligibility and other restrictions apply. One per opted in new customer. $5 wager required. Max. $100 in casino credits awarded, which require one-time playthrough within 168 hours. See terms at casino.draftkings.com slash promos. Restrictions apply. Did you turn down any uh, big commercials like in the 90s or the knots? Or, or did you do some? I mean, mm. now that's totally mm. changed and people talk about their brand and getting their product in the marketplace, which is great by me. But did you turn down commercials? I, yeah, I did a few, I naively. I, yeah, no, I, did, I didn't. I've never gotten offered a lot of commercials, weirdly, but I did do, I did a Japanese beer commercial in the 90s. Uh, yeah. A sigh um, or nice. Um, uh, I'm trying to even remember that. It was like it was a crazy thing. I had to say I had to go umasugi dayo, and I was like on a fr- <laughs> oh. this like frozen wave or something. Um, <laughs> That's it. And you got paid yeah, money. I got paid money for that, Jeez. and uh, and then not, not a lot of offers after that. Maybe that affected <laughs> it. But um, I did. Yeah, I, I got offered one a couple of years ago. Uh, one of those Super Bowl ads, uh, and Ooh. I somebody else did it, and Juicy. I saw it, and I just felt like it didn't feel right for oh, me. Oh, someone else like, did it. I had that happen yes. in a Super Bowl ad, and then someone else did it. I'll tell Dana later. I'll do someone anything at this point. But I remember I'll Paul Newman, and I don't know if he gave it to charity, but Paul Newman is like the greatest kind of celebrity in history. One? I think. I think he was yeah, riding yes. a. A tricycle or something like it was a motorcycle or something but paul newman and i think meryl streep did one and then it, they didn't like it and they she got millions and they didn't even show it but i do think oh, really? the super bowl is unique everyone kind of goes hey it's a super bowl commercial yeah. i mean also now it's become such a thing where the commercials are such a huge deal and you know everybody watches i watch them you know and see like okay what's yeah you know who's gonna did do they ever ask and- you to direct one um, I, I directed some commercials back in the day and I have been offered Ooh. commercials to direct. Oh. I'm not great at directing commercials because I don't love that process. <laughs> yeah, well, at the end of the day, it's a little okay. bit like I have to care about this somehow. Ben's like, move the and, Doritos you know, <laughs> closer to the Chihuahua, please. Hold it up while you're talking it's and you have to angle it. the Chihuahua yeah. chewing the bag. Um, it's an art form. I, I enjoy a funny commercial, but you have to really care about that so stuff. So, Ben, you know? how are you as a celebrity? Like, your emotional temperature, I just made that how up. How are you, Ben? Is, like, kind of <laughs> unassuming superstar. Obviously, you don't, you're not out there all the time. I mean, when was the first time you go on? You were like Mickey Rooney and the Twilight Zone, like, I'm too famous. I'm too what famous. Blew you up? What was the one that blew you up where you were like, oh, I'm shit, too, now it's getting... You know, there's there's a point oh. where you hit critical mass. I don't know what right. year where it's like, you're really famous. Yeah. And that's where my big, glasses broke and I couldn't read any of the books. Oh, Burgess Meredith. Oh, oh yeah. Picture, if you will, a young Ben yeah. Stiller with fame that he um, never wanted. <laughs> now, go ahead. I think it was a kind of a gradual, you know, thing for me because I was around for a while from like... My, you know, my little stint in like late 80s mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, to, you know, then getting little parts in movies. In something the 90s. about Mary was something about Mary was the one that really oh, was yeah? the first time I was ever in. Yeah, yeah, that was huge. And Meet the Parents and then Zoolander. That was pretty quickly. Yeah. Boom. Go ahead. Brett yes. Favre. Yep. Yeah. And that was that was after that was like 1998 or something. And I had been doing it for 
you know, on and off for 10 years and had, you know, mm -hmm. had directed reality bites and directed cable guy at that point. And like, so I was working in show business and happy. I was really happy. And then that, that movie, you know, was a big hit. And I remember people going like, Oh, I knew like someone I knew who worked <laughs> in my team who said, I knew it was always going to happen for you. I was like, well, I thought it had, happened. <laughs> you know, I thought I was doing I okay. It was great. What are you talking this about? Is really did. Come well, back. Were. And you're like, I've heard people say, come back. I go, come back. How did, exactly. did you wear a hat and stuff when you went out or sunglasses? Yeah. When you first got, yeah. David would I, just I, love it to be in a convertible, you know, Hi, everybody. <laughs> he had a, yes. a yeah. <laughs> Hello. I mean, I was definitely going around L.A. I, you know, I had a, I, a period of time when I acted ridiculous, I'm sure. Yeah. You know, like I, I bought a Jaguar. Sweet. <laughs> Do it. <laughs> yeah, it's um, that lasted for like change. two years. Stiller. <laughs> no, it's I got it. A low-key ride yeah. in L.A. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, it was... Yeah, it was it was definitely like, I, you know, fun, but a little bit sort of intoxicating in that, you know, it's that thing where like everybody, you know, is recognizing everybody's being nice to you. And there's just a lot, you know, a lot of opportunity in all ways. And it's like, you know, it's weird. <laughs> yeah, it's weird. when there was a jizz scene, you might not remember in something mm -hmm. about Mary. No, I forgot. Uh, Which one was that? It, it, was there a discussion of the amount of jizz? Is it too offensive? Is it too far? Yeah, there was. Because I was don't think people have seen too much jizz on screen. The Fairly Brothers. Or right? since. Yeah. Um, I had a discussion <laughs> with Peter and Bobby Farrelly about that scene because, you know, I took my work seriously. And I was I was questioning a lot in that movie where I would like question all of like the logic moments in that movie with them. And then I, I realized halfway through the movie that, you know, shooting the movie that I just was wrong most just of the time because they yeah. were. Yeah, because they're just going to do what they did. And they were so right because they knew exactly what they were yeah. doing. But I was like, OK, I'm going to make sure this makes sense to me. So my question was, how am I not feeling? How am I not feeling the jizz on my earlobe? <laughs> Right? Why am I not feeling this? Why, if she's uh, yeah, I have right? some how can I nerve how, endings? How, how do you play right? that? I, so yeah. I literally, like I said, can we somehow set up in the movie at some point in like in the past? I lost feeling in my earlobe. Oh boy! That I <laughs> <laughs> what did they say? And I'm like Ben, we, don't worry about it. It's funny. It's funny. Just go with it. It's funny. Fuck. Yeah. Nobody gives a fuck. I'm like really. I think it's not going to be as funny if you think you're wondering why I don't Ooh. feel it on my earlobe. So I, I lost it. that argument, and thankfully. Yeah. And, I guess uh, you're smart to say when I'm in someone else's thing, I've done that where you go, this is their thing. I'm kind of along for the ride. I did sign up and I, I can put in my two cents, but overall they're going to win in editing. So I, I got to, at some point just got to roll with it. Yes. And you have to recognize that, you know, and I think it took me, they, I remember we were there in Miami. It was so much fun shooting that movie too. Cause it was just like, everybody was having a great time and they cut together like the first 10 minutes of the movie and Peter pulled me into his trailer and said, hey, check this out, I want to show you. And I saw the first 10 minutes and I was like, oh, this is like, it's so much fun. And it had such like, yeah. and I, I think I was like, you know, happy. I'm like kind of more of like a serious type of person or, you know, and they were just like happy fun. I'm like, okay, this is like a happy fun thing, which I have to get used to and, you know, embrace. It's probably good for me. Um, but I remember also after the movie, we shot the movie, weirdly, uh, I keep saying weirdly, don't I? Uh, mm -hmm. uh, it's okay. a good word. Um, a couple of times. <laughs> you have a big life. Yeah. Said, um, no, but I was living in the same apartment building as Cameron Diaz in LA. In large oh, That is weirdly. Time. Yeah. And um, I was coming downstairs and, and she was going out with Matt Dillon at the time. 
And, you know, so we'd all done the movie together. The movie hadn't come out and he'd just seen a screening of the movie. And Matt was like, Hey man, did you see the movie? It's really, <laughs> it's funny, man. It's funny. And, it's like, and he's like, dude, dude, you jerked off in that movie. <laughs> and like, That's a good Matt Dillon. <laughs> yeah, that is good. And, and I was like, yeah, I know I did it. I definitely did it. Um, and he was like, he was saying it as a compliment, I think, but he was kind of like, you really did that. And at that time, we didn't know how the movie was going to do. So it felt a little bit That's out scary. there. Like, okay, Your balls are in a works. zipper, dude. It's great. Yeah. It was like, like the hangover it's... in a, a movie that came out and just ch- kind of changed everything for a while. But I'd like to talk before yeah. we go, whenever we go, about Tropic Thunder, because that hit me like a ton of bricks. And I've probably seen that three times. Mm-hmm. I mean, I just absolutely, I, I think... I mean, Ben thought you, you were going to say 30. You went full you R word. You went full R word. That's why you went home yeah. empty handed. It, right. It's like it, for comedy writing at the time, I know that you couldn't do it today, I suppose, but God, that was that right. brilliant, that movie. How, oh how did you fucking come up with that? But I think in today's, you know, environment now, of course, it just would never even get out of the, you know, it would never get out of development. Um, but sure. that was an idea that I had had since. I had a little part in Empire of the Sun in 1987. I was playing one of the POWs uh, in that movie, and I, which was hilarious. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I tried to give it a little. <laughs> and Robert Downey Jr. was in blackface in that um, film too. I remember but, that. But uh, I, you know, I thought, oh, that at that time in like mid 80s, all the actors my age were auditioning for every, you know, war movie. It was all war movie. It was all Hamburger Hill, Platoon, um, and yeah, <laughs> we all and we all. Had I to go, and everybody was going on these fake boot camps where they'd go out with Dale Dye and, you know, spend two weeks in the Philippines and get, you know, dirty and get yelled at. And <laughs> well, could David, just for an insert, David, could you do your Michael J. Fox yeah. war thing? Just, and then go back to the <laughs> I can't do it. Hey, Sarge, you got to give me a minute on this. <laughs> hey, she's just a farm girl, Sarge. Come on, Mallory. <laughs> I, hey. What would, um, no, I have to ask you, what would... Uh, Burt Lancaster would be like yeah. in uh, Tropic Thunder. <laughs> I'm telling you, we got to get to that river. I got to cover my I'm not afraid of nobody. <laughs> I did a movie with Burt Lancaster. That's Kirk one of Douglas. my favorite of your impressions is the Burt Lancaster, the Kirk Douglas, Burt Lancaster interchange. Oh, oh that thing. Oh, that's yeah. beautiful. Yeah. Would you um, like to come over to my house? <laughs> I'd like to come over. Five o'clock. I'm on Cannon Drive. Is it code five four three two? That's try. the gate code. No, we're gonna. <laughs> yes, we're gonna wrestle, right? We're gonna wrestle. We're gonna wrestle Greek Roman style. Cause I like to wrestle. I do too. Two men having fun doesn't mean a thing. I had to. I made it a little more PG. Yeah, no, that's yeah. good. Um, As you know, did you ever see the swimmer? By the way, with Burt Lancaster. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. What a weird, weird, crazy movie where he just swims in people's pools. <laughs> he just jumps right. fences. He just literally. He's pool. in this like tight, tighty whitey, you know, <laughs> yes. speed up thing the whole time. He looks good, but it's like he's swimming in people's pools for two hours to get home and, and kind of going crazy. It's fascinating. Dan is like, I love that movie so much. I saw it once. <laughs> I uh, saw no. Tropic Thunder. I'm going to up it to five. <laughs> Change it. I'm going to up it to five <laughs> times. Thank you. Now, Ben, before you yeah. go, one last one. We're not talking enough about Reality Bites. Yeah, when Spade man. Was in it. Come on. Dana, yes. do you know this? Spade had a little part for you one day. You were in Reality Bites? I was Havitude Wiener Dude. Havitude yeah. Wiener and, um, Dude. Come on. Hmm. Ben plucked me out of obscurity 
out of a rigorous casting. And I went in there. I don't know if I was on SNL or was I on it? I feel like how did I'm you trying know to me? even remember how that happened. I don't remember the year. Yeah. But Ben, the funniest part about this is <laughs> I, first of all, I'm not great at acting. So I, I, I'm trying to memorize the script. I thought before I do the scene, I should know it. Cause I do right. that with a lot of my parts. Um, so I, I look at it and I go, I'm interviewing Winona for a job at the Wiener Hut or whatever it's called. And, um, and so I'm the manager. And then, uh, so I have, I, the, the, the joke is like, I go, I, I, I whatever it is, I interview her and then I go, just, I'm going to throw out some numbers. What's, remember I tell her she's going to be a cashier. So I go, what's 85 plus 22. And she's like, uh, Dollar twenty. I'm like, nope. Yeah. She's like, dollar forty. I'm like, nope. She goes dollar eighty. I go, it's not an, not an auction. auction. Right? And so I go, but listen. So anyway, I do this, and then Ben hits me with this fucking curveball. I picture we're sitting at a little interview table, like in the back of Burger King, and then you know I just go back and forth, and then he goes, okay, let's go now. Spade scenes up. Here you go. You're gonna walk this way. You're gonna hand the customer this. You grab a bag. You you put this mop over here. I go, what the fuck? I have to walk and talk and say my and say the lines. And you go, yeah. And I go, holy shit. And I side my hands. I'm like, whoop, boop, boop. This was never discussed. It's never happened in acting before. And so I go, why is he doing this to me? And so and then Winona, all she has to do is trail behind me. That's way easier. And so I'm literally going. In rehearsal going, if I hand him this, then I say this. That's how you remember it. You know, right. you go by blocking. So I go, pa, 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 pa. Somehow we got it. Mm. But I you're tell right. you, there, I there was, was a lot shows. of business. You had a lot of business. And I think, I, I believe I did it as a one -er. I think it's like a yes, one shot Which deal. is worse because you have to get everything right. Yeah. It's like so, you're traveling, yep. you're following me the steady cam or something. Yes. And you have to get it all right. And I'm like, ah, ah, ah. But obviously that's the way to do it obviously it made it funnier and then um yeah and it was and fun i still was... i still love it i love hearing people saw reality i know Bites, and i love that and you're in it too it always makes me happy i'm gonna it. have to it. order that up on amazon tonight and you check will. out david and the last scene. thing i gotta tell ben is when i did this last movie they go uh sandler sent me this movie and he goes you know you're not like it, it the, the, it's the wrong missy he goes it's not the typical thing you do, blah, blah. But then I go, I read it and I go, oh, this is like what a Ben Stiller would do because I always like what you do in these movies where there's this craziness around you. Like, you know, meet the parents. You're not always doing that, but right. you're very good at it. And I go, I want to do one where it's sort of a, you know, grounded guy that's overwhelmed. And so everything was happening around me. Swartzen was funny. Schneider was funny. Lauren Lapkus, who was great as the Missy character. And, uh, and I was sort of trying to keep it together, but there's, it's a hard thing to do and you do it very well. And I was like going, if I can just kind of do that part because it's an underrated uh, thing to do in movies yeah. and it's, it really keeps everything working. If you have good reactions and do it. And then that movie was super fun, wound up being, but I just wish they could tell you ahead of time if the movie's going to be a hit, it would be so much easier to shoot. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like something about Mary, you'd have so much more fun if you go, this is a fucking yeah, hit movie. Yeah, you never like, know. Here we that's, go. That's the you old just, adage. You just, you know, you really have no idea. But I think like when you're doing that, like that kind of thing, it, the, it, the yeah. great thing is I always felt like there's no pressure on me except to just, you know, just to be in the scene. 
and hopefully react honestly. But like, you have to not yes. have the ego about like feel like I always wanted more funny people around me because I just felt like that would make yeah. the movie funnier. It and, helps everything and I would if be you understand by that, that by being around funny people would make me funnier. You know? How happy, in a hit. How happy were you when you sat down either rehearse or shoot the first scene on Meet the Parents and you saw that De Niro was playing it full badass De Niro, which made it so funny the way he intimidated your character. It was just such a perfect comic yeah, chemistry. He was amazing. And also I think, you know, he at that point he hadn't done a bunch of comedies, you know, he'd maybe done analyze I don't know if Analyze This was before or after that. I think about, Oh right, but right. But he, you know, and he was one of the producers of the movie too, but he totally got it from the beginning and you know, was just playing that he, he knew that playing it straight. And also he knew with me that, you know, he could just sense a, with me that uh, I was nervous around him. And so he would, yeah. he yeah. Wouldn't, you know what I mean? Like he wouldn't make so it. So he worked off that. Yeah, he yeah. enjoyed doing that. And, you know, it was really like, there was like real, that was a real thing. Like I, I just remember like we'd be in the car together doing these scenes. And then like, you know, back then we were doing scenes where you actually were in the car. It wasn't like a green screen and we'd have to then take the car around to start the scene again. And then we'd have to just sit together in the car in between when we did the scene and when we restarted. Right. So there'd be like five minutes of us just sitting uncomfortably, which <laughs> staring literally just, you could have just kept the camera rolling. It was the same as the movie. <laughs> it just was the movie. What so you say, I, yeah. I have nipples. Do you want to milk me? Or is it, so it's just like coming out of De Niro's mouth. You want to milk so, my nipples? You want to make my nipple? Yeah, yeah. Oh, great. That's good. All right, well, let's let Ben go. He's been great. You guys. Ben, ben was very nice. Guys. Thank You're you, buddy. You're so funny. You're the funniest so people. Great Enjoy to catch up to with you, time. Ben. Yeah. Uh, I'm glad uh, you're doing this. You have, for kids who want to live stream, Severance. Ben Stiller for young people, Dodgeball, Starsky and Hutch, Madagascar, Something About oh Mary, God. more <laughs> than I could mention. Jesus. <laughs> it's a resume. Yes. I got exhausted yeah. reading your Wikipedia. Is Severance, on? Is, is Severance Apple TV? Severance is Apple TV Plus. It's all Apple right. TV Plus. That's the part you have to pay okay. for. Yeah. And it's, uh, um, oh, that's all right. It streams every Friday. So, all right. Got pleasure, it. Ben. Thanks, guys. Thanks. Great talking. Right. Appreciate Thanks, it. Ben. All right. Thank you. Talk soon. See you, pal. All right. Hey, what's up, flies? What's up, fleas? What's up, people that listen? We want to hear from you and your dumb questions. Questions, ask us anything. Anything you want. You can email us at flyonthewall at cadence13.com. <laughs> we have one from Andy Lipsy. <laughs> All right. Andy Lipsy says, hi, guys. What was the first concert you ever saw live, and who do you want to see that you haven't been able to? I'll start with this. I saw Heart. 16, I saw Heart, the band. They fucking rocked it. And my brother snuck in some slow gin. You ever know what that is? It's so Ugh. gross. It's like Boone's Farm. It's like a muddy. Cherry wine. It's like a red. I don't know what it is, but it had booze in it. I didn't care. I couldn't be picky. Chugged, barfed. And I did like Heart. I still love them. And then did a joke about them. And I said, no, I got in trouble. And then I would love to see Led Zeppelin live. Dana? Led Zeppelin is the greatest. Uh when I was 14, I was running cross country freshman high school the summer. I'd ran a six mile time trial at 520 a mile. So I was feeling really good. I have three older brothers. So I was 14, 16, 18, and 20. They took me to Fillmore West. Ooh. 10 years after Cactus and Toe Fat. So I'm there, girls are bikini dancing. There's a show. Bill Graham actually came out and said, stay away from the brown acid. He oh, actually did. That's the old and they joke. were passing joints along. I didn't have any, but all that experience was unforgettable. Then went outside and this dude, kind of like a wino, was really high and he looked up at the marquee, he was really buzzed, and he goes, Ten years after, cat. 
cactus and Tofat. What the fuck? <laughs> That's what I said when you Tofat just said Tofat was the name of a rock band. Tofat. My brother, in 1966, he came home from Fillmore West. He was like in eighth grade. He says, I've just seen the best guitar player in the world. I said, what's his name? He woke me up. I was in like sixth grade. Jewel. He goes, Jimmy, Jimmy, Jimmy Hendrix? Jimmy Hendrix? For real, he's Yeah, it was Hendrix. It was Hendrix. I said, yeah, weird name. Probably won't go anywhere. He goes, why do you say that? Just a thought. But then we saw Jeff Beck a lot, me and my friends. With Jeff Beck, um, we saw, I saw Fleetwood Mac. (laughs) Jesus. A lot of Neil Young. Mm -hmm. And who would you see now, if you could pick? Um, Snoop Dogg. Okay. Because my sons played that for me, and that was the first time I really appreciated hip-hop. Snoop! Bam, bam, bam! Drop it like it's hot. Drop it like it's hot. Thank you, Andy. When it's feeling kind of hot. Drop it like it's hot. You're a bad boy, David Spade. Fly on the Wall has been a presentation of Cadence 13. Please listen, then rate, review, and follow all episodes. Executive produced by Dana Carvey and David Spade, Chris Corcoran of Cadence 13, and Charlie Finan of Brillstein Entertainment. Production and engineering led by Greg Holtzman, Richard Cook.